True Crime Girls contains content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. down when a liar's pants never actually caught on fire. Anyway, here's three stories of lying liars whose pants never burst into flames. Hello, okay. everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back hey, to everybody. True Crime Girls. We are a really fun, 100% accurate, locally sourced resource. No. <laughs> Lo- locally grown resource. Locally grown resource podcast. Yay! And everything we say is 100% factual, by the way. Yeah, and I'm going to put an asterisk right there for the notes <laughs> at the bottom. And in case um, in case you didn't realize by the, the title of our podcast, we talk about true crime. Yeah. <laughs> and we're girls. And we're girls. Yeah. Surprise! Um, so, yeah. Surprise, um, everybody! Hi, I'm... Kylie TCG. Why did I do I'm it Jamaican. again? <laughs> wow. Try it again. Just introduce yourself again. We'll edit that out. Or not. And we'll just sound like morons. <laughs> we won't. She will. <laughs> I will because I said the same thing last time. I was going to say it again. Hi, I'm Kylie. Hi, I'm Janine. Hi, my name's Robin. <laughs> Thick. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Just kidding. My name's Eileen. Y'all know that. And welcome back. This is episode four uh-huh. of season three. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Yay. We did it. And yeah. so the last episode was a little somber. It was a little, a little it was a little down. Um, mm. I don't know about your guys' stories, but mine are a little bit more up this time around. A little mine bit, is yeah. good. I like mine. A little bit more funny. More down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Not funny. I mean, murders. yeah, but you guys get it. <laughs> mine it's is not as sad. Isn't so much murders. Mm-mm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but, yeah. but this is going to be a fun episode. Yeah. Yes. But what are we talking about today? Tim Brown, police chief and mob accomplice. Just kidding. What? Um, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> what was that? that and why why we're talking about um double lives uh-huh that's it <laughs> that's not what you said <laughs> i was reading one of the headlines from one of the stories oh <laughs> i'm like what i just read it really fast yeah double lives yes lying so. liars who pretend to be one person but they're oh is that not. what lying liars who lie is no, I think that was something else. Oh, okay. Yeah. I still don't know what that is. And I like how in your notes you're like, 
you put a name, but you still have no idea what the yeah, fuck Yeah, I don't for. know what I do. But I love the name, so we have to use it. Lauren yeah. Liars Who Lie? Yeah. Oh, that could be our... That our, could be this the, one, yeah. Okay, that's our okay. name for this one is Lion Liars Who Lie. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> but we're talking about double lives. Yeah. But they're Lion Liars Who Lie. <clears throat> yeah. We do whatever the fuck we want, so there's that. Can I just say I really like my feet in these shoes? I and like I want black shoes. ones just like it. Can you post a photo so people know what we're talking about? Sure. When you listen to this episode, we will have an accompanying photo on Arlene. Arlene? <laughs> what the fuck is Arlene? This motherfucker. Jesus Christ. We're not even reading. I'm just speaking and I can't fucking say her name. I have a cousin named Arlene. <laughs> is it me? <laughs> is it you? <laughs> There's too many eens in my family. There are so many eens. Oh my god. Janine, Francine, Arlene. Who the fuck is Arlene? I don't know who that is. Arlene is uh, Normie's um, daughter. Oh, all right. All right, so Janine, you're going first, right? Oh, I was like, I was just going to say, I know we said who's going first, but who's going first? You. Yeah. All right. I kind of like mine. Well, that's good because you're doing it. I know. I'm pulling. I'm pulling a Kyle, and I'm gonna go old timey, like old timey. Wow. I don't think I've gone. I don't think I've done old timey except for maybe. I really don't appreciate you checking with me before you stole my aesthetic. Like, (laughs) sorry. It's kind of like rude. (laughs) But it's but it's in the U.S. Okay, then you're fine. Then you're fine. Then you're fine. Then you're fine. It's it's in the us. It's in the us. Yes, not in the uck. Um, <laughs> not in the uck. Get the fuck out of here. You're right. annoying. So, this is the story of Jolly Jane. Is this a story about a girl named Lucky? <laughs> no. She's a I was star. Start she cry, cry, cry. And Thank you. Me hot thinking. <laughs> and there's nothing <laughs> missing in my life. Then why do these tears come at night? You're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I give up. We're done. This is done. And this is where the karaoke starts in the season. So, just in case you were missing it, you're for the free record, to I have not. <laughs> yeah, Eileen hasn't eaten yet, and she's been very pleasant. So, wow. There's that. Um, okay, so this is the story of Jolly Jane, a medical nurse and ruthless serial killer. Yes, Ooh. I'm living. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so picture it. Boston, 1854. Yes. Is that how they say? Those are my khakis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> August 1894. No, I don't think that's right. Okay. <laughs> I fucked up already. Hold on. Mm. You know, we're going to go with it, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. I'm sorry, guys, because this is what I already wrote nope. down. Oh, yeah. 1894 or 54? The 18 seriously fucking throws me off so bad. I want to say it was 94. From the. Wait, how are you. I don't know. You know what? I don't know. I'm just going to. I have 1857 here and 1864. (laughs) She was born in 1857. I know. Okay, you know what? August. (laughs) 18 something. Uh, Honora <laughs> Kelly was born to Irish immigrants in Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, that's 1857 she was born. How could I have fucked it up so bad? Okay, 1857. 
Um, she was born to Irish immigrants in Boston, Massachusetts. Her mother, Bridget, died from tuberculosis. Oof. And her father, Peter, was a tailor and a raging alcoholic. Yes. I love raging alcoholics. Set up for the perfect life. Um, As an alcoholic and a tailor, he naturally attempted to sew his eyelids shut. What? Yeah. Um, In 1863, Peter surrendered his two daughters to the Boston Female Asylum, an orphanage for female children. Honora was nine, and she and her sister never saw Peter again. So he kind of just, like, dumped them and was like, peace out. Was he successful at sewing his eyelids shut like can we uh no i think he just attempted and then he was like, well, you know what i think i've lost my shit so let me give my kids to someone that can care for them <laughs> oh <my God>. um <laughs> uh so since this is old timey there's not too much documentation um at this time as far as like exactly how the girls did in the orphanage mm-hmm. <laughs> excuse me um but what is known is that the sister Delia uh, went into sex work and Honora was placed as an indentured servant in the home of Anne Toppin. In one article, I read that the Toppins actually adopted her um, and changed her name to Jane. In another article, I read that they never formally adopted her, but she changed her name to Jane Toppin anyway. So okay. she was like part of the family. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, so after leaving the orphanage, she went from Honora Kelly to Jane Toppin. So Wikipedia did not have any information about her early life, but I did find something in Murderpedia um, that stated that after being left by her fiance um, before she was 20, um, she lost her shit. Uh, she <laughs> twice attempted suicide and suffered through a period of really odd behavior. Uh, and it said that included efforts to predict the future through analysis of dreams. Don't we all, though? That's not weird. Uh, that's not odd. Yeah, I'm like, that's normal. I look at my dreams all the time. What is consistently documented, though, is that the other sisters, um, one of the other sisters that didn't go to the orphanage for some reason, um, she ended up going insane and committed, and she was committed to an asylum. So we are seeing a bit of a pattern here. Okay. Um, Regardless if Jane did or did not, but probably did, suffer from a mental illness, she signed on as a student nurse at a hospital in Cambridge, Massachusetts in 1885. Um, As in her younger years as a student, she did really well at school. She excelled in her classwork, um, but colleagues were disturbed by her obsession with autopsies. So... The double life kind of comes in where she was, yes, a nurse. And for the most part, that's what people saw her as. That was her image. But she was kind of a psycho. Um, In 1889, she claimed several victims at Massachusetts General Hospital. After it was documented that two patients died mysteriously under her care, she left the hospital without her certificate and ended up forging the paperwork um, and everything else necessary to find work as a private nurse. Uh, So over the next 20 years or so, that's what she did. Um, She was hired by dozens of New England families, caring for the ill and elderly in several different states. Um, But somehow, very few patients of Jane survived under her care. Her weapon of choice was poison. Yes. And in 1895, she began her poisoning spree, beginning with her landlord and his wife. 
1899, she killed her foster sister with a dose of strychnin, which is a pesticide usually used to uh, kill small animals like birds and rodents. Um, And if I remember correctly, when she killed her sister, the sister was 70 years old. Whoa! (laughs) So I don't know why she did that. Um, For shits and gigs. Yeah. Yeah. In 1901, J- uh, Jane moved in with an elderly man named Alan Davis. Uh, she moved in with him to take care of him after the death of his wife, uh, Maddie Davis, who was Jane's close friend, who oh. Jane also killed. Wow. <laughs> Within weeks of moving in, she finished off the Davis family. She killed Alden, who was the husband, and she killed two of his daughters and his sister Genevieve. <gasps> Oh my gosh. One remaining, yeah. One remaining Davis uh, survived, Mary Gibbs, who was married at the time and not living in the home. Well, Mary was so distraught that her whole family dropped dead. So she looked to good old Nurse Jane for some relief. Nope. And Mary fucking dropped dead too. Um, in less than six weeks, the entire Davis family was six feet under, and Mary Gibbs' husband was like, what the actual fuck is going on? <laughs> he demanded an autopsy, and the autopsy confirmed that his wife had been poisoned with morphine. By the time the autopsy was done, Jane had already gotten the fuck out of Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, well, on the run, she... Oh, she was, um, yeah, so she left, and she was apprehended in New Hampshire in October 1901. Uh, Toppin confessed to 31 murders and was also <sighs> able to provide the names of her victims. Wow. So she wasn't kind of just, like, killing them off, like, eh, fuck you, whatever, you're just a random patient. Like, she knew and built relationships with these patients, and mm-hmm. so she knew their names, she was able to provide them all, um... So even though she confessed to 31 murders and was able to give 31 names, um, it's believed that her victim toll may have actually been between 70 and 100. Wow. Yeah, and like between the 20 years, like, again, it was kind of a long time ago, so not every single thing Mm -hmm. was documented. So it's possible, like, as a private nurse, that people may have been just paying her with cash or not documenting that they had this help. So who knows who else she fucking killed. Um, while Jane was on trial she's quoted as saying that is my ambition to have killed more people more helpless people than any man or woman who has ever lived like really bitch (laughs) that's your fucking imagine what she could have done if she just took those that ambition and like put it towards something else (laughs) like you're a nurse so how about maybe helping Mm, as many men and women that you can um helping them die (laughs) yeah Yeah. i fucking guess uh on june 23rd 1902 in an eight-hour trial toppin was declared not guilty by reason of insanity and sentenced to totten state hospital for life the jury deliberated in 27 minutes i don't know what took them so long but whatever um no true motive to these murders was ever really found out but i guess the closest thing we can get to a motive is the following quote if i had been a married woman i probably would not have killed all those people she said i would have had my husband my children and my home to take up my mind 
<laughs> oh, have no fury like a woman scorned. Wow. Yeah. So it's that fiance's fault. Yeah. She murdered mm-hmm. all those fucking people. Mm-hmm. And that's the story of Jolly Jane. <laughs> that was so jolly. Jeez. And they gave her that name because she was like so happy all the time, and <laughs> she was just like, "Let me take care of you." Because yeah. I'm gonna kill you. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. I just one. imagined her like I don't know, like cute little old timey lady just going room to room, just fucking poisoning people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She looks super cute too. I can't I'm wait sure. to post a photo. Dang, that was a good one. I love those old ones. Yeah, that one was fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to everybody that died. I don't want to make it seem like, yay, yeah, she murdered all no. these people. But yeah. it was a fun story. Huh. All right. Well, I shall go next. I have um, two stories, but neither of them have a murder in them. Um, then pick two new ones. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> but... <laughs> Do your uh, research, Kyle. Sorry. Um, but so what ha- so what happened was what I happened. what happened was I was doing my research uh and like I found this one story and I was like going with it. I went with it. I finished it and I was like so excited because it was like early oh, in the no. week. And then like as I was closing out my tabs of my research, I oh, found stop. this other story and I was like, oh, damn, that's that good too. Like, I thought you like accidentally deleted it <laughs> no. or something. I'm like, no. I was like, damn, that's good too. And then um I text um Spencer, I was like, what do I do? I have this story that's really good. And then so I he was like, he was like, why not do both? I was like, Sure. Por que no los dos? Por, por que no los dos? <laughs> um, and so here I am doing two. <laughs> um, okay, so the first one. Okay. Douglas Cohn was a millionaire and owner of a highway construction company in Tampa, Florida. He was married. Florida. Yep. Both of them are Florida. So what I was also trying to do, so I researched this one first and I was trying, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have like Florida in all of my episodes this season and then Salon Maritage happens and I was like, I have to do this one. <laughs> so, Never mind. So this was done before I decided that. So it's all Florida. But um, uh, he was married to Jean Ann Cohn. They had three children who went to Berkeley Academy Jean Ann drove a Rolls Royce and she served on the school board of trustees. She also had a library named after her at the academy, the Jean Ann Cohn Library. So mm, then there she's was a there, big deal. Huh? I said, ooh, she's a big deal. Yeah, she's a big deal. They're a big deal. Very affluent family in Tampa. And then there's Don Carlson had a sensitive government job one that required him to be away for long periods of a time mm-hmm. uh, but he brought home nice money so don was married to hillary carlson they lived in tampa florida the couple had two children who also attended berkeley academy uh-huh. hillary also drove a rolls royce and served on the school board of trustees with Jean ann and their family had Carlson Field named after them. So these are like two super like wealthy, well-to-do families in the same circles, all of that. I already don't like this. This is sounding sketchy. <laughs> the two families lived 20 miles apart and Douglas Cohn and Donald Carlson were the same person. 
For nearly 30 years. What? Yep. Okay. For nearly 30 years, Cone lived a double life. One where he married, he was married to his wife of 52 years, and the other where he was married to a former employee 18 years younger than his original wife. Who, oh my God. Who was in on all of it. So Hillary was in on all of it. Um, and so that's how they were able to get away with it for so long. Um, she never, like, so it was known that he would always go to things with Jean Ann and be, like, be seen with her and all of that out. And, but with Hillary, um, he was kind of like this mysterious, like he was always gone. So she would always go to things alone. Um, but he like would help like benefact like the, the Carlson field and all of that. Oh Um, my God. That sounds exhausting. Yeah. But I'd be like, okay, you have a mistress. That's fine. But you're naming all of these things after me. Perfect. Well, and their kids (laughs) went to school together. Like it was like crazy. Isn't that insane? Um, so, after Jean Ann Cohn died at the age of 75 of carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh. Mysterious. They actually, um, they di- the police, okay, so Douglas Cohn married Hillary Car- Carlson, only t- officially married him, her as Don Cohn, or as Douglas Cohn, sorry, only two weeks later, and his double life came to light. So it was just like, yep, surprise, this has been happening. After the police learned of this, they reinvestigated Jean Ann's death, but they found no evidence of foul play. Like, she just kind of, like, I don't know, she, like, passed out, and she hadn't turned the car off. She was old and fucked up. What year was... (laughs) She was old. It was fine. What year was this? Um, I don't have it. Let me look. I don't have it written no, down. No, if you don't, that's fine. I'm just thinking, yeah. like... It wasn't, it if... wasn't like, super long ago. He, like, recently died. Because oh, he shit. was old. Yeah. So, it wasn't, it wasn't very long ago. It wasn't... Uh, so, okay, so it all came to light in, like, 2003. Oh, Oh, shit. that's super recent. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. hmm I mean, it was 15 years ago. That's... Like well, it's yeah. That's it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So that was the one where I found it, and I was like, "Oh shit, that's good." Um, but I had already How done. Do you? I can't even have like. Not that I have one, but I can't manage one boyfriend like how do you have a whole nother partner a whole nother house a whole nother set of kids well when you're a multi-millionaire and one of your significant others is in on your ruse i'm sure it makes it a lot easier yeah shit dude that's crazy yeah so super nice i I love that story. I know. That, that, and that's why I was like, I can't let this one go. Like, I can't no. just not do it. That was good. But I had already done all my research on this next one that I'm going to go into. So, right. okay. So, I have Richard Hoagland was a family man. He was married to Linda Eisler and had two sons named Matthew and Douglas. He worked at an insurance company and had a five-bedroom house outside of Indianapolis. His closet was full of designer suits and the family had a speedboat at a nearby lake. In 1993, this was like, I mean, this is a nice life. Um, Shit, that's a nice life now. Yeah, that's a nice (laughs) life now. But um, February 10th, 1993, Richard told his wife he wasn't feeling good and that he was going to the hospital. 
Linda called the emergency room to check on him, but they informed her her husband wasn't there and had never been there. She went home and everything was as it should be. His toothbrush, clothes, and passport were all there. Um, They thought they found a lead when Richard's car was found at the airport, but no one named Richard Hoagland took any flights out that day or any time after that. Fuck. He, because Richard doesn't exist. He just disappeared. Mysteriously, that summer, the two sons received birthday cards from their father. Um, but after that, there was nothing like um, based the. And I'll put I'll embed like a video. It was like I think it was like a forty-eight hours or something like that that I watched. Um, it was basically like him saying bye to his children, and it was like super weird. But then like there was nothing like. So it was just a birthday card and then like, hi. Yeah. It is like, I think one of like the ends of the messages that he wrote was like, um, listen to your mother. Goodbye. (laughs) It was like so weird. It was so fucking weird. Oh my God. By the way, do your chores. Yeah. Um, For two decades, he was untraceable. No one knew where he went. The state declared Richard legally dead in 2003 after there was no trace of his whereabouts. Oh, fuck. Linda was suspected to somehow be involved in his disappearance, either being in on the ruse or causing something bad to happen to him, but no evidence was found supporting either theory. Like, yeah, she was, like, interrogated and investigated. Like, it was, like, this big thing. So, one day in 2016, the family received a phone call. Richard was alive and well, living in Florida under a a dead man's name. His double life all unraveled. Wait, so his his real name was that? Yes. Okay. Um, His double life all unraveled with an Ancestry.com search. Oh, of course. So, (laughs) So the full story. In 1993, Hoagland went to Florida where he rented an apartment from a man named Edward Simansky. Edward confided in Richard that his son Terry had been killed two years earlier by an accident at sea. Richard eventually found Terry's birth death certificate. He stole it and used it to create his own his new identity. And so how he used the death certificate to apply for a birth certificate. Oh, that's why I was like, wait, what? He then submitted the birth certificate to get a driver's license. And granted, this was in 1993. So now I don't think yeah. even the detective on this like 48 hours was like this would not work now. But it yeah. was 1993. Um, and from then on, he was known as Terry Simansky. In 1995, he married a woman named Mary and had a son. Oh, my God. Their names are Terry and Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and they live in Florida. Do they have a son named Barry? I don't, it oh doesn't say God. the boy's name. Damn um, it. He bought property and even got a pilot's license. Okay. In oh 2013, the nephew of the real Terry Samansky began to do some searching on Ancestry.com, just putting together his family tree, like, dupe to do. And so how Ancestry.com works is, like, you put in someone's name, um, and it can give you, like, um, official government documents. Um, that show like you know birth certificates death certificates marriage licenses all of that different stuff Um, so you can see that on that person and so he was there and he got he got alerted to a marriage certificate of Terry Slamansky after his death 
And so he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, the family actually waited three years before contacting the police about the potential stolen identity. Um, just because they were like, what? No way. Like, so, I'm, they were probably like kind of like searching and like being like, this yeah. is weird. Like, maybe it's just something wrong. You know, I don't know the circumstances, but um, that's a pretty specific name. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it is Ancestry.com. And back then, like in 2013, like, I don't know. I feel like it had, was just starting to really, really gain popularity. Yeah, that's true. So maybe they were just skeptical. But um, so the police confronted. So basically, um, the police went to the new Terry. So Richard's house, but the new Terry Simansky's house and was like, basically like hi like um what's your name can you please confirm your identity and he's like oh i'm terry samansky and they're like i'm gonna ask you again like what's your identity and they said he said terry samansky and then they basically held up the death certificate (gasps) they're like you fucking liar and that's when richard admitted to the two decade long second life that he had been living he told investigators he fled indiana to get away from his wife poor lisa yeah it's like like you're leaving everything behind anyways just fucking mm-hmm. divorce her mm-hmm. february 2017 richard hoagland pleaded guilty to aggravated identity theft and severe <clears throat> and served nearly two years in federal prison before returning to indiana in april his um second family had like no idea that any of this was happening so their lives turned upside down as well um poor mary yeah mm-hmm. and um <laughs> And it's, like, super sad. So, the second son, what was his name? Douglas. He actually, um, I think he was only, like, four to six or something when his dad, like, he was six when his dad um, disappeared, basically. And so, this caused a lot of problems for him. He ended up, like, in trouble with the law a lot. So, he actually found out that his dad was okay while he was in prison. He was watching the news on TV and saw saw a picture of his dad on the news and saw that he was alive and well. Oh, my God. It was, like, so bad. Yeah. Um, So, Linda pursued Richard for child support. No. Yeah. In which the du- judge decided oh that he God. owed Linda and her children eight point one point eight six million dollars in back child support. Holy shit. Yeah. But Get it's it, unclear if they will ever see any of this Monday money as his assets <laughs> are tied up in divorce proceedings with his Florida wife. <laughs> <laughs> Holy so, fuck. And, and in like um in a lot of the um it seems like yes she like sued him for back child support and of course this money it would help but i think it was she's just happy that he is now accountable for what yeah, he's done to the family and stuff like a fuck you to her because yeah i doubt she cares about the money because yeah. like her life was just like she was like how am i gonna take care of two boys i have a mortgage like she had to move in with her mom like her life was just like completely I wouldn't say ruined because now, obviously, like, she still has her sons and stuff like that. And even though Douglas, like, has some issues or whatever, like, it could have been worse, but it definitely fucked them over. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. She was like, she was like, it was just like so hard. And then not understanding how someone, like, she's like, I had a feeling like he wasn't 
dead. So it was just not understanding how someone could leave their children behind and all of that. So Yeah. Like I understand he wanted to leave the wife, but it's like you're fucking kids, dude. Yeah. Like yeah, he didn't ask for any so of So dumb. It's so dumb. So yeah, so that's why I had to do both of them because they're just both oh insane. man yeah and they both had like secret other families yep. too that's so crazy mm-hmm. wow i like those yep yep so those are good those are mine <sighs> Damn. all right well i guess i'll uh, end this on a mine are more lying liars who lie i love that they're not so much double lives they're just yeah the lying liars who lie <laughs> um, so as you know I love my lists yes. and I love Listverse and Listverse has a really good list online liars who lie so I'm gonna do these um, honorable mentions and I'm just gonna this one I'm just gonna read what they have there because it's so good okay okay <clears throat> so it says uh, Gary Thompson was involved in a motorcycle accident in 1993 that left him confined to a wheelchair and mentally disabled the accident left him in a position to lose everything and he resorted to panhandling to support himself Anybody with any sympathy at all would give to a man who had gone through as much as Thompson had. It was all an act. Thompson was not handicapped, homeless, or mentally ill. The only thing he was selling the truth about was that he was in an accident that left him temporarily injured. For which what a he was dick. Yeah. For which he was given a two point five million dollar settlement. What? <laughs> Some people in in the Lexington, Kentucky area that he frequented were suspicious about Thompson's condition. He was caught speaking without any mental handicap or speech impediment by a Lexington news reporter and then again by a news reporter wearing a hidden camera. <laughs> wow. When interviewed oh by a reporter God. after he was exposed, Thompson replied, I appreciate you guys busting me. Yeah, I'm really good at it. Really good. I clear about 100000 a year doing this. Thompson oh went on to say, I'm God. normal. It just helps to be mentally handicapped. Wow. Oh fucking grand. Yeah, panhandling. Lying liars who lie. Okay, so really quick, I don't know if I already talked about this before on the podcast, but <clears throat> when I used to work at Chase, we had these like gypsies that would like post up in oh, front yeah. of the. Did I already talk about this? I, I know we I discussed don't, it. I don't know. I don't think. I don't think it was on the podcast. Okay, so they would, um, you know, like post up in front of the bank. Everybody's going in to get cash, and they would put their little sign like "Please help, anything helps," blah blah. So then our supervisor at the time, she was like, you know what's so weird? They always have kids with them, but the kids are always asleep. Like morning, afternoon, evening, it doesn't matter. Like the kids are always asleep. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. So she was like, this is like fucking weird. And there was a police department right at the corner. So she called the police department. They came a bunch of different times to get them out of there, get them out of the um, little shopping center that we were in. Mm-hmm. And they had told us, like, on some mornings, they would already have, like, five, $600 in their pocket just from the just the one shopping center. And um, we couldn't confirm or not, but they thought that they were drugging the kids <gasps> to, like, just, you know, keep them asleep, keep them quiet. That way people would still see them with, you know, children and these women and oh poor them mm-hmm. and give them like more money. But yeah, it like by noon they had six hundred fucking dollars from just like begging. I'm like, dude, that's fucking crazy. But it, and, it turned but, out to be some ring. And that's why it's so hard because like you see like people like begging and stuff like that. 
And it's like yeah. you want to help them out, but you ne- you don't know if they're like just doing this ruse or whatever. Because I've seen that. I've, I've heard of stories like that a lot where it's like they don't stop like they just do that and that's like their livelihood and it's like yeah mm, no i've bought them food like i'll like if yeah. i'm at a fast food place or i'm at the grocery store i'll be like what do you want and i'll buy it for them like yeah. if they're hungry i'll buy you food right if you're thirsty i'll buy you something to drink but i'm not fucking giving you cash. we actually um when i was with mom we were there was like a homeless man outside of jack in the box or whatever and um she bought him like a sandwich and went to go give it to him he's like no i don't want that <gasps> i've no that's happened to me before yeah and it's like oh my god it's like well glad i didn't give you money because you obviously yeah. weren't hungry i was at the drive-thru with my friend nick uh when we were at chase and we had gotten to work like way too early so we were like let's go get food so we went to mcdonald's and there was a guy asking for money and i was like dude i don't have any cash but i'll buy you food like what, whatever you want what do you want and he's like not nah, it's cool I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? He just wanted fucking cash. Well, and that's... And it makes it sad for the ones who are actually hungry and who are actually needing the money yeah. to buy food be or would take the food because it's like you don't need to, like, take away from them, you know, the ones who are truly, like, having major, 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 major issues, you know? We were at BJ's uh, last time we were recording and um, there was this dude in the parking lot of BJ's. He's like, hey, you, like can you help me out with a couple bucks? I was like, you know what? Hang on. I have like a lot of money in my wallet and I just want to like yank it out. So I was like, I went to my car. Um, I was getting a jacket oh, that's right. and then I walked back and I took out, I think I had like 10 bucks. So I just gave him 10 bucks and he's had like window washing stuff. He's like, can I wash your windows for you? I'm like, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. He's like, are you sure? Aww. I'm like, dude, yeah, it's fine. Like just get yourself something to eat. He's like, oh my God, thank you so much. You can tell when they're, like, super genuinely appreciative. And he was willing to work for it, which was so nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I see, um, especially right here, getting off the the freeway to Janine's house, um, I'll see, like, you know, these Mexican kids with either oranges or flowers, Mm -hmm. whatever, hustling, and then someone next to them with, like, a sign just saying, you know, hey, I need food, can you help? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm not just going to hand you my money mm-hmm. and you okay you i'll can buy your tell, product yeah you can tell um this is gonna sound so bad you could tell like if they're gonna use it for drugs or not mm-hmm. yeah. especially when they're walking around crazy up and down the street mm-hmm. or alcohol and they fucking reek exactly. of it exactly so like i'll i'll buy some flowers off that mexican kid on the corner sometimes mm-hmm. like Whatever, I love but. when she brings me flowers because I know she got him from the I know she got him from <laughs> the fucking freeway. Uh, but yeah, like and then by my um by my work there's always this this like crazy white lady and she's just she's a druggie. Like she'll start shouting at us through the window, Hey you whore, you know, fuck you bitch How and I'm like, know? Do you really I know. She knows me. <laughs> like how how are you going to ask me for money if you're calling me a whore? Like, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Well, I you're know a whore for not for. giving her money. I know. Rude. I know what you want it for. <laughs> but I've done mm-hmm. that. Like, I've always... Uh, and then I read something online, and it's like this kid's talking to his dad, and his dad gives um, a homeless man money, and the kid tells his dad, you know, hey, how do you know he's not... he he's not going to use that for alcohol. Right. And the dad says, or drugs or alcohol. And his dad says, whatever he chooses to use it for, it, um, says a lot about his character. But if I have extra money, what I do with it says a lot about my character. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I get that. 
but, but that's the mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. the shit you but then at the same time my dad always about. told me you know if you have a little bit of extra money in your pocket and you can't mm-hmm. spare it do yeah. a good thing and spare oh yeah it. not yeah. saying like you know give them a hundred bucks but yeah and that's how I am like if I half the I time I just don't have cash, cash yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. that's the thing. I really keep cash on me. But one thing I will not do is I will not buy chocolates from those kids oh, outside no. of like Ralph's or something. Mm-mm. Because, or like those people that come in and are like, hey, this is for my church. Like, mm. no, dude, I, I don't know any church that goes around asking for money besides Scientology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not going to give you your money. Because then, like, I had seen some um, some kids outside doing that outside a, a Ralph Ralph's by my house. And then, like, some other kids came over and they're like, hey, bro, you want to smoke with us? He's like, sure, why not? And then they started eating the fucking chocolates. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, no. No, that's not happening. I'm not, you know, they didn't buy them from themselves. To be I fair. Okay. I, yeah. Story time. Story time. So, <laughs> when I was in high school, I think I've mentioned this before I, on the podcast, but I was a cheerleader. And um, we actually. Okay. Yes. We actually would have, like, candy fundraisers, but we would just sell them to, like, kids at school and stuff, and, like, you would just... Okay. But (laughs) one time, I got in super trouble with my mom because I have a major sweet tooth, and... Oh, fuck. I ate ate myself a lot of the candy. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so we had to pay for it. I've done that, and I understand that, but you can... You know when it's... um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, when it's legit. But that's what that reminded me of just then. I was like, oh, no, they're just getting in fucking trouble with their parents right there. (laughs) They're just not supposed to be eating the candy. I used to ask my grandma, like, Grandma, can you just give me a dollar so I can put it in the box and I can have a chocolate? She's like, no. (laughs) I'm like, God damn it. Uh, it was so, I remember that and like I would tell myself like oh my gosh like I shouldn't be having another one but I'm it's only a dollar Kyle just put it in there and to this day I'm still horrible with sweets so <laughs> welcome to my life oh fuck that's uh, that is hilarious alright well, how did we get I was like how did we get here <laughs> I know I was, I was about to like Panda close out the episode but I'm like no I have a couple more to read <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our lives, guys. Right. <laughs> we cannot focus for oh, shit. We just have a train of thought. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Eddie Long was known for his flashy, charismatic style of preaching, driving luxury cars to church, and his hard, hardline anti-gay stance. Oh, he once led an anti-gay march to Atlanta, Georgia, and regarded homosexuality as spiritual abortion. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna use that from now on. <laughs> oh god. As a senior pastor of the New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in the Atlanta area, oh. he had a huge congregation of more than twenty five thousand members. Lord. He often led sexual re- reorientation conferences where he sought to provide the cure by converting attendees to heteros- heterosexuality. Oh god. So My imagine skin is crawling. Imagine everyone. That's not how this works. Nope utter and complete shock when four underage teenage boys came forward and filed lawsuits in 2010 claiming that Long had engaged in sexual relationships with them. Oh! Was he testing testing their homosexuality? He's like, this is a test. In the report, three boys from his church and another from North Carolina's satellite church claimed that Long put them on the church's payroll, gave them money and expensive gifts, and even took them on international vacations. Oh my god. So they were like when- escorts for the freaking like whatever, mm-hmm. but not wanting to be. 
Yeah. yeah. When asked about the details of what transpired between them, the boy's lawyer, B.J. Bernstein, said they were told it was essentially a marriage ceremony with candles, exchange of jewelry, and biblical quotes. Wait, wait, wait. A marriage ceremony between the boy and the priest? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm very... Okay. Oh. Long denied the claims, but reached a settlement with all four boys out of court, oh. rather than proving that the allegations were false. Uh. Interesting. Oh. Oh. A fifth boy later made a similar claim and again reached an out-of-court settlement with Long. Okay, these out-of-court settlements, though. Yeah. So Long oh. professed his innocence, saying that they were um, trying to ruin his image and this never happened and these were trouble boys. He should have been an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got cancer and died. Oh, my God. Karma, bitch. Yeah. So and never stood trial. He never stood trial or anything because <clears throat> he shoved all his hush money. Now, this might be just me, but if someone's falsely accusing me of something, I will literally fight yeah. death. Yeah. I want to say that for most, it's human instinct to do that. Like when, yeah. when it's the truth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when somebody says some shit about me, I'm like, oh my God, that's such a lie. Here's some money. Don't ever say that again. Yeah. All the time. Like, no, that's not fucking That's like real. the only way that I do it. So. <laughs> Kyle's a brunette. Pay up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the next one. Anna Christina was your typical 44-year-old suburban mother of four and devoted wife in the Upper East Side of New York. Her neighbors all said the Christinas were an average family leading a private life. The only thing that stood out about them was her choice in family pet. I thought it was a huge dog loose at first when I said, whoa, wait a minute. Then I saw how big it was, like 150 pounds. A huge pig, said one of their neighbors. <laughs> a, a pig? A pig. That's not that weird. People For Upper East Side, though? Not, well, I, what, well, what year was this? Oh, my God. 2000, uh, tw- uh, 2010? Eileen's okay. face was so David Rose, like, Upper East Side? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pigs are popular are not- now. Yeah, right. But things are not always as they appear. When night fell, Christina would begin her secret life as a madam to a high-end clientele, including two billionaires. She ran two brothels worth $10 million and had a stable of over 50 women, complete with penthouse magazine models. Excuse me? Yep. Her girls made $2,000 an hour, all in cash. In February 2012, after five years of FBI investigation, Christina was arrested with bail set at $2 million, but was later released on a $100,000 bond. What? After her arrest, one of her business pa- partners cooperated with law enforcement against her, and Christina made a plea deal and was sentenced to six months in prison and five years probation. It's just bizarre. You just never know what's going on around here, concluded the neighbors. <laughs> what about the fucking pig? I know! Who fucking knows? It was just like a rude. That was like, just that was just like a random pig, fact. Like there was you. a pig. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> oh my god! I love that. But yeah. holy shit, that's yeah. a lot of fucking money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God damn. Wow. And then just an honorable mention: John Leonard or arson investigator and serial arsonist. Yes. Yes, I love those kind. Sorry, yeah. I don't love that, but you know what I mean. You guys know yeah. what I mean. You wouldn't be listening to this if you didn't know what I mean. There is um uh there was also another one like that who's like a journalist who was oh, murdering people murder and then, and then he would be like yeah, yeah, he'd be like the first one. Uh, you want me to read that one? I can. Yes. 
Okay. Uh, many things are expected of you as a fire captain. Managing a fire station, training new firemen, performing equipment safety checks, and determining the best course of action to put out fires safely. John Leonard Orr excelled at those tasks and more. So much so that he was promoted to arson investigator. It's therefore stunning that Orr was also a serial arsonist, responsible for starting over 2,000 fires, which called, caused millions of do- dollars in fam- oh damages in the Los Angeles area. Oh, that's right. It was here. With his knowledge of exactly what arson investigators search for and how firemen are trained, Orr had an unusual advantage in evading arrest. Orr would start decoy fires in grassy hills near his actual target. When firemen responded to the brush fires, he then set his predetermined locations ablaze, leaving them to burn unattended for maximum damage. I think, 19- didn't like Sword and Scale or something do this? Um, I think... Something um, did this, Karen. Right? Karen, Karen did it, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a good um, one. In 1984, so a South Pasadena home improvement store, Old Home Center, was gutted by fire. Four people lost their lives in the blaze, including a two-year-old. Oh, fuck. Initially, the investigators uh-huh. deemed the incident an electrical fire, but Orr would not accept that as a cause and was very adamant that it was arson. The truth <laughs> what was, a dick! The truth was that he set the fire himself. Uh-huh. Even more startling is that Orr became so arrogant and attention-hungry that he penned a n- novel, Points of Origin, about a fireman who was naturally also an arsonist. Fuck I remember God. that. Yes, I remember Let me that. Just write an auto fucking biography. So good. The book was later adapted into an HBO film of the same name, starring Ray Liotta as Orr. My novel is a fact-based work that followed the pattern of an actual arsonist that has been setting serial fires in California or the, over the past eight years. Oh he has not been identified or apprehended, but probably will not be, and probably will not be in the near future. You as fucking real case, thought. As in the real case, the arsonist in my novel is a firefighter, stated Orr in his pitch to the publisher. In 1987, he started several fires near an arson investigation. <laughs> Let me read that again. <laughs> <laughs> We're almost there, Eileen. No, no, no. This next sentence you're going to love. Um, in 1987, he started several fires near an arson investigators convention. Oh, I remember that. Yes. It what was a so fucking good. idiot. In one of the stores that he attempted to burn down, a store manager saw the smoke and extinguished the fire before the flames could spread. Investigators retrieved a small piece of paper with a single fingerprint on it. Or was a direct mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement officials placed a tracking device on Orr's vehicle, which placed Orr at the scene of another fire in the area. He was arrested and sentenced to 30 years in prison on three counts of arson. Mm-hmm. In 1998, he was tried and sentenced to 25 years for the deaths for the four deaths he caused a decade and a half earlier. Yep. That doesn't seem like enough time. What do you mean? 25. Years. What was it? Well, it was uh, 25 years. Yeah. So 30 years on three counts of arson and then 25 years for the four deaths. Oh, okay. So 55 years total. And I don't know if it was this guy or the journalist that I was talking about, but one of them, they were on to him. And then the, um, the department set up like a decoy. So they were like, oh, hey, there's this that just happened. And without giving him the address, they showed up. I don't know if it was this guy or the other one. I think and then it's that's this how one. They, yeah, and then that's how they like caught him. Like that was one of yeah. the kind of like telltale signs. Like, okay, yeah. I think it was one. this one. I think it was this one. It was so. I <clears throat> I feel like Karen might have done it, but I feel like Sword and Scale did it too. Maybe because I like I hear his voice when she was yeah. telling the story, but I could be wrong. Hmm. 
Jesus Christ. That one was a really good one, though. I love that one. How fucking ballsy yeah. can you be yeah. to, number one, do that, and number two, do it at a fucking convention? Yep. And then to write about, like, it was just everything was just like, fuck so you, I know dumb. what I'm doing. And then it was like, oh, fuck you, no, you don't. <laughs> gotcha. Oh, man, oh, those were so good. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked that one. This was a fun episode. Mm-hmm. These morons, I'm, I swear. I know. Down. I'm glad that we like. It was like we were like down last time, and then we're a little bit up higher this time. I feel like, and we're gonna be up even higher next time. I no, know. Right? I don't even know. I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't <laughs> what know. What topic are we doing? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh God. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this one, everyone. Yeah, I, I had fun. I had so much fun on this one. This one was yeah. great. Yeah. I, so if, if you did it, <laughs> sorry. sorry, that's my my uh, opinion there. She's allergic to fun. <laughs> <laughs> Another telltale sign that she would be a serial murderer. I know. Oh God. All righty. Well. Oh my God. Enough. We get it. We're not having fun anymore. All right. Um. If you guys haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a fun little review to accompany it, um, preferably on Apple Podcast, but Spotify, um, Podbean, where else are we? Yelp. Yelp mm-hmm. would be great. Um, the white Do white pages have ratings? SoundCloud? YouTube? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're not on <laughs> Everywhere. Yeah. Or the white pages. Do not look for us there. No. no. Um, you can call my boss. Tell him I'm doing such a good job at work. Oh, yeah. That would be great. They <laughs> Kyle's face. <laughs> like, what? No. Um, but, yeah, if you guys leave us a rating and a review, that would be amazing because that helps us out. Yeah. Um, and we, we love are, reading them. We re- Oh, you know what? We really love reading them. I'm gonna st- I said I was going to start posting them. But by the time this comes out, I would have already posted them. So she thank won't. you. She's gonna about it. I'm going to forget until I so, listen to this episode. So, there. <laughs> um, so we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at True Crime Girls. Yep. If you want to send us something fun um, or send us anything at all, you can email us at True Crime Girls. No? At yeah. True Crime Girls at gmail.com. Yeah. At True Crime at what? what? That's right. Um, what else? The show notes. Oh, yeah, show notes uh-huh. um, for every episode. If you guys didn't know, we have show notes on our uh, website, truecrimegirls.com. If you want to send us anything, I wear a size 7 in women's vans, and I love them. We do love the vans. Um, what else? <laughs> oh, Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. We have our individuals, Kylie TCG, Eileen TCG, and Janine TCG. That's a whole lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a mouthful. <laughs> um, am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. I think we hit it all. Just you hit that spot, yeah, baby. I yeah. love hitting that. <laughs> I love hitting it all. Um, so, yeah. Thank you guys again for sticking around and just being fucking cool. You guys yeah. are amazing to us. Yeah. And we we don't know why. Yeah, I don't understand. I posted a, the picture right now or earlier of my <clears> shoes. <throat> or I think, yeah. And someone commented like, "Hey, so excited! When's the new season coming out?" And I'm like, "Are you okay?" Yeah. 
been really strange, but really fucking amazing. It was so, so fun to see, like, when you announced season three, like, people were losing their shit, and yeah. I'm just like, what? Then I had to go look at that announcement, because I don't know when we're releasing, so I had to go, <laughs> I had to look at the announcement so I can tell her um, when we're releasing, which is February 15th, but that already passed. See, so guys, we're just like you. We'll announce no, it now. So we're launching yeah. season three on February 15th. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. welcome to true crime girls um but yeah guys thank you again uh so 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 much so make sure to follow us everywhere oh we're gonna release one week before my birthday yeah but A by day after time, valentine's day it would have so. already been out so oh, I yeah i can't be there that so there's that okay anyways so yeah <laughs> uh, but follow us everywhere just please don't follow us home we've made it a lot more difficult but don't do it yeah but just please all right all right bye goodbye bye.